and turn to Acts chapter 6. Man, I'm loving this series we've been in. We're calling the movement. Uh, we've uh, been here in the book of Acts since the beginning talking about the movement uh, because what we've been seeing and what we've been talking about is the church in the very beginning. You know, we, we see the beginning of it uh, take place in the book of Acts, and it began as a movement. That's what it was. It was a movement that, that took place uh, among people. Uh, the, the church from the beginning was a movement. It developed from these deep-rooted convictions that Jesus had, had not not only died, but he had risen from the dead, and you know he had he had called his uh, uh, disciples together, and he said, you know, I'm about to leave, but you know, I want you to be my witnesses into all the world. They were so devoted to this message that that's how this movement began, and, and so you know we. we they had, they had been witnesses. And so basically what Jesus is doing, saying he's saying, you go and tell. You go and share what you've seen, what you've experienced, and what you know. And then he said, you know, I, I know you're going to need some help in order to do this. And he said, but I'm going to send you a helper. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to come up on you. And so what we saw in the beginning of this movement were some people who were so devoted to this message. They knew what Jesus had done. They knew what it meant. And they knew how important it was that every human being would hear this message and know about Jesus. Because they knew our only hope is in a Savior, right? And so they were so devoted to it that they were willing to give up up anything and go anywhere and do whatever it took for everyone to hear about Jesus and hear about this awesome man and the awesome love that's available to us. And not only that, but, but the Holy Spirit, you know, when the Holy Spirit came, they experienced the power that they'd never experienced before, right? And, and, and so they, they surrendered to that. And we've seen all throughout the book of Acts here so far how God used them and did, you know, miraculous things in and through them. Uh, and, and it's just been incredible. But over the years, what we've been talking about is something unfortunate has happened when it comes to the church. People began to think of the church as this place that we go, right? The church is as an event that we might attend or a place that we might go to receive, you know, services of, uh, of some sort. And sadly, this shift in thinking ha has changed uh, the fundamental way, I believe, that a lot of people that call themselves Christians relate to the church. It's changed our expectations, of the, the church. And, and so instead of people being the church now, a lot of people have this perception. Instead of people being the church, they go to church and, and they see the church as, as just an event instead of a movement that you're actually a part of. Okay, and so before we get to our text today, I just want to ask you a question this morning. And, and I'd love to see a show of hands uh, this morning when I ask you this. Uh, let me ask you this question. How many of you here this morning want to be successful? Raise your hand. <laughs> Some of you don't, and that is odd because everyone in the early service wanted to be successful. So I guess I understand. Uh, that helps me understand a lot about some of you, actually. And now that I think about it... Uh, Honestly, I've never talked to anyone that ever said, I want to be a failure. Have you? I had the awesome opportunity this past week uh, to go to Omaha, Nebraska. 
Uh, some of you don't even know, why would you go to Omaha, Nebraska? Well, if you don't know, <laughs> sorry. But uh, I, I, I had an opportunity to go. Someone in the church was just wanting to show their pastor some love and got me a ticket. And so we went down and just had an awesome time. You know, at no point in time did, do I believe that any Razorback on that baseball team ever said, we want to lose. You know, we want to fail. We want to be failures. We want to be known for the rest of our lives as the guy that dropped the foul ball, right? You know, said no one ever, I want to be a failure. I want to be a loser. No, you know, that's just not our nature. That's not who we are. That's, you know, none of us want to be that. No one ever wakes up in the morning and said, today, I want to fail, right? Today, I want to, I want to lose. Everybody wants to be successful. But what is success, you know, what does success look like in our lives? What does success look like on this movement, you know, that we've been talking about? Well, you know, I, I refer, I, I, a lot of things in life, I, I go back to sports. I played sports all my life, played every sport except track. That was always dumb to me. Why would you want to just run? I don't know. But, but you know, so I, I relate a lot of things to sports in my life. Well, the, the, the great coach, Vince Lombardi, he, he put it like this in talking about success. He said, the price of success is hard work, it's dedication to the job at hand, and the determination that whether we win or lose, we have applied the best of ourselves to the task at hand. Now, Vince Lombardi knew a little bit about success when it came to sports, right? And, and you know, he's, he's basically given us this idea of, of what, you know, his success looked like. I used to have a coach that would tell me, you know, all that you can do is the best that you can do, right? And, and I, I believe with all my heart, that's what these boys did this past week up in, there, up in Omaha. They absolutely did at the time the best that they could do. And so, you know, that's, that's how we view success. I also thought I'd look up the word success in the dictionary to see how it was defined there. The definition of success is this. It's the accomplishment of a purpose or goal. And it's also defined like this. It's the attainment of popularity or the attainment of profit. And so based off, you know, the definition of success... I believe that you can be successful based off this de definition that we have here. Based on this, you can find success, but never really have success, okay? And, and so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let me give you an example. For instance, if your goal, if what you view as being successful is to have a lot of money, you can do that right? You, 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 a lot of people equate having a lot of money and a lot of stuff with success, and you can achieve that, and the world would look at you and, and maybe say that you've been successful. But I also know that there are many people who got a lot of money and a lot of stuff who still feel empty and really don't feel like they've reached the pinnacle, right? And they don't feel like they are successful. Uh, I'm sure that, that, that most of you probably know who Ted Turner is, uh, years ago, he was the one that started uh, CNN, uh, better known as Fake News. Uh, I'm not going that. That was a joke for those of you that are so political you can't get over it. Uh, he started. Uh, he started TBN Turner Broadcast Network or whatever. He's one time on the Atlanta Braves. Uh, but anyway, at the time, I, I want to share with you something he said. At the time, he was one of the wealthiest men in the world. He was worth like $2.2 billion. And Barbara Walters was interviewing him, and he said this in, in talking about success. He said, well, I think it's kind of an empty bag. 
That, that's what he says about success. He says, I think it's kind of an empty bag to tell you the truth. To a large degree, it really is. But you have to get there to really know that. He says, I mean, money doesn't buy happiness and neither does honor or position and awards or trophies. Now, I'm not putting a lot of stock in what Ted Turner says. I'm not saying he's a great theologian or anything like that. But I'm saying what he says is, has a lot, speaks a lot of truth. All right, here was a man that at the time was worth about, you know, he's a billionaire. He's worth over $2 billion. And he said the world's view of success is an empty promise. I think we should probably pay attention to that from someone who's been there and done that. I don't know anybody that's here today that uh, has $2 billion, right? Uh, but if you did, we, we have a pretty nice debt on this children's worship center back here that you could help us out with. Uh, but, you know, the American dream uh, often leads people down this path that leads to emptiness. You know, it, it's, a, it's a dead end road. Many people climb the ladder of success in life, only get to the top and realize I was on the wrong ladder the whole time. That, you know, this was not the right place. And so what is the real difference is, is what we're going to focus on today is, you know, what's the real difference of success that leads to success in life? What does success look like on this movement, right? What does it look like to be a part of a successful movement for Jesus and, and, and in our individual lives and in our families and, and, and importantly, you know, as well in our church, in this body of believers that gathers here each and every week. And, and so, you know, I'm going to give you the end at the beginning. So for those of you that go to sleep, I had someone warn me this morning, actually, uh, when they got here, I might go to sleep today. So I'm going to just tell you what the sermon's all about. So if you nod off, you're good. But success is this. Success is found in fulfilling your purpose. All right, if you want to know where success comes from and how you can have success, I'm just going to tell you, it's in fulfilling your purpose. If you want to be successful in life, you fulfill your purpose and you'll be just fine. You'll be successful. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you glad you came? So what's your purpose? What, what, what's your purpose in, in life? If, if, if for, in order for us to be successful, we've got to fulfill our purpose, then we need to know what our purpose is, right? We need to understand that. I have a mosquito. I don't have ticks. I, I've got a mosquito that's flying around my ear up here. I can hear it. I don't know if y'all can hear it in this mic, but it's driving me nuts. All right, and I'm also a little ADD maybe. But our purpose, <laughs> our, our purpose is simply this. It's to glorify God and to serve Him. That's our purpose. That's what you were created for. That's the reason He put breath in your lungs. That's the reason you were created. It's the reason you were born. The reason He put you here. Your purpose is to glorify Him, to serve Him, to serve others. Right? And, and so, you know, once we have defined success correctly and we understand that, then we're, we'll know how to better pursue it, right? If we know what our purpose is and success comes from fulfilling our purpose, uh, that'll be more meaningful in our lives than anything we can imagine because, more importantly, it, it, will, it will establish where we spend eternity as well. Uh, and so today we're going we're gonna to look at the life of Stephen. Well, we saw him introduced to us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, as, you know, there were things going on in the church. And, and so we see Stephen introduced as being a man that was appointed to kind of serve in the church, to distribute food. Uh, Stephen, you know, was a man who probably by society and people on the outside looking in, he probably wasn't considered to be a successful guy uh, just to see him and know what he does. You know, he, he probably 
you know, didn't appear to be successful to uh, those outside the movement. But he was a great man of success when it came to serving others and bring glory to God. And we're going to see that this morning. And if you remember, we left off here in chapter 6 uh, a couple of weeks ago, seeing that the leaders of the church had delegated these people. Uh, seven uh, men were appointed to, to serve in this Distributing food to the widows in need, and Stephen was one of those guys. Uh, he was willing to serve people. So the first thing I think we need to point out here is this: uh, key to living a successful life and pursuing your purpose and, and fulfilling that purpose that brings glory to God is simply this: being willing to serve. Being willing to serve. It's huge in living successful and being a part of a successful movement. We see that Stephen was in this position that he was in because he was simply willing to serve. And, and I believe with all my heart that unless you are willing to be a servant of God and a servant of people and helping, you know, to do all that to glorify God, then you will never really experience success that lasts and, and is meaningful. It all starts with serving. And, and it's sad to me that so many people miss this. Uh, a lot of people that associate themselves with the church never really understand what it means to be a part of the movement and, and to experience this kind of success that we're talking about today. Uh, a lot of people that associate themselves with the church are more concerned about how they can be served rather than serving. And that's just kind of backwards, right? That, that, that totally goes against what it means to be a part of the movement. It's not about how can the church serve me, what can the church do for me, what's awesome about the church that, you know, we, we can brag about. It's more about just loving on others and serving others and bringing glory to God in, in doing that. Uh, there, there's a lot of people who want success and they want recognition and they want it right now. But there's no shortcuts to success except by being humble and being willing to serve. Uh, and not just serving in her actions, but serving with a servant's heart uh, and humility. I was so impressed. I, I just want to side note here. I, I Y'all, last Wednesday, it was hot, right? It was hot. It was over 100 degrees. And I'm thinking, this hands and feet in the heat thing, we're kind of taking this to the extreme. And not only was it over 100 degrees, but hey, let's light up some charcoal and make it hotter, Right? Uh, whose bright idea was that? Uh, I don't know. I think it was our uh, youth pastor. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it was incredible to see you guys show up and sweat and be a part of that, loving on our employees and first responders. Uh, they were moved by that. To, to be served like that, it, it makes a difference. It makes an impact. And, and I, was, I was blessed to be a part of that and to see you guys do that. Stephen was a servant. He was willing to serve. He was willing to minister to other people, even if it meant waiting on tables or taking out the trash. It didn't really matter. He, that's who he was. And, and so the, the greatest thing I believe that we can do in our lives to be successful is this. Ask a question. What can I do to help? You know, if that was always our mentality, what can I do to help? You know, put, put others before ourselves. What can I do to help? Uh, man, that'll go a long ways toward you even feeling uh, like you're successful in your own heart. So while, you know, being successful followers of Jesus begins with having a servant mindset, uh, we also see that living successfully also means living by the Spirit. We've seen this all throughout the book of Acts. 
The Spirit is the key to everything that happens, right? Everything that takes place. Let's pick it up now uh, in verse 8 of chapter 6. I believe we left off verse 7 last time. It says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, he performed great wonders and signs among the people. And when you begin to do the Lord's work and you join the movement, what happens? Opposition arose. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the, the freedmen, as it was called, and it goes to list them there, who began to argue uh, with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom that he got from where? The Spirit. See, the, the, the Spirit is key in, in all this success. All right, they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Don't miss this. Stephen uh, was living and speaking and serving, not in his own power, not because of his own strength or abilities or knowledge or anything else. He's doing all this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? If we're going to be successful on this journey with Jesus, we must be led by the Spirit. We must be under the Spirit's control. We must be surrendered to the Spirit, trusting Him and relying on His power, not ours. You know, so often we'll come up with a plan and we'll be like, yeah, you know what? We can do that. And I challenge you guys all the time. Let's stop focusing on what we can do and set our goals on what He can do, right? Because the, the Spirit and the, the power of Jesus can do so much more than we could ever do right? And he'll blow our minds because then we'll step back and look, holy cow, can you believe we did that? No, we didn't do nothing. He did it through us. And, and so, you know, that's what the movement is all about. That's where the power comes from. And, and so we need to understand that. And, it, and it's more than just believing in Jesus and believing this story, right? It, it's, it's more about being controlled by the story, being controlled by the Savior, being controlled by the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, listen, here's so cool. I, I've, been, I've been in ministry over, over 20 years uh, here, and here's what I see time and time again. God does his greatest work through ordinary people. I've seen it time and time again. You can go throughout the Bible. He never picks out the brightest, the best, the best looking, the richest. He never picks out those people to do incredible things. He always just picks out some ordinary person that no one would ever suspect can make a difference, right? That's who God uses. He does his greatest work through ordinary people. Stephen here in the book of Acts preaches the longest sermon that's recorded here in the book of Acts with the most powerful, I want you to think about this, the most powerful effect that any sermon had when it came to this person named Saul. The conversion of Saul. Stephen wasn't an apostle. You know, he wasn't among the leaders of the church. What was he doing? He was distributing food in the church. He was working in the food pantry. He, he, this is what he was doing, doing. But ordinary people that are filled with the Holy Spirit can do everything an apostle can do. Right? They've got the power. They've got the authority. And, and, and Saul uh, was saved and later became the Apostle Paul. And we're going to talk a little more about him later and actually look at some things he wrote uh, about this later on. Listen, y'all, there are Saul's all in our community. 
There are saws that you work with. Some of us have saws in our family that persecute us, make fun of us, you know, tell us we're stupid for giving our money to the church. And, you know, we've got saws in our family. We've got saws that are friends. We've got saws, you know, at school, at work, at Walmart, at Harps. You know, we've got saws all around us. And they probably will never be converted by hearing me preach because more than likely they're never going to come here. How are they going to be converted? They're going to be converted by how you represent Jesus out here in the community. They're going, to, they're, going to become, they're going to get to know Jesus by how you look like Jesus and how the Holy Spirit is using you and guiding you and leading you. And so over in Romans chapter 8, and the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Romans, this man who was saved because of the influence of this servant, food bank worker, right? The influence of Stephen, he, he says this, and he's talking to believers here. All right, when he writes this, people are part of the movement. He says in Romans 8 9, he said, You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, right? It's not about you. It's not about what you can do. Matter of fact, you can't even do this, right? It, so it's not about being in the realm of flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. This is what matters. This is what's key. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, he says, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, then they don't belong to Christ, right? If everything you do is in your own power, then you might ought to question if the Spirit of Christ is in you, if you've accepted that and surrendered to it. And, and so, you, listen, you receive the Spirit when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you allow him to be Lord of your life. Because when you allow him to be Lord of your life, what that means is he is in control. Right? And so a lot of times the question we have to ask is, are we Lord of our life or is he Lord of our life? Because if he's not, we've got issues. All right? And, and so the only way that we'll be successful is by doing what Stephen did and being led by the Spirit, not by our own strength or our own ideas or our own agenda or our own uh, plans. And so we see evidence of that as well in his understanding of God's Word. Uh, I love this. Uh, I have people all the time tell me, say, you know, I just read the Bible and I struggle. I go to, I fall asleep. I, I don't understand it. You know, it confuses me. And, and, and so, you know, they get frustrated with it and, and say they don't understand it. But, but here's the key to God's word. And we see this in Stephen's life. Not only did they see the power of the spirit at work in his life through how he served uh, and, and through the, the spirit led you know, words that he spoke. We see evidence of the Spirit all throughout this next chapter as Stephen basically preaches a sermon from the Old Testament, right? He, he's, he, he's, he's gathered uh, his accusers and those who are persecuting have, have gathered together. And, and so we see him, you know, basically reciting and quoting Scripture that came from the Old Testament. And, and this is how, you know, he... he basically argued with them and, and faced their accusations and all that. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, 26. He said, but the counselor, talking about the Holy Spirit again, so important in your life, whom the Father, Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. This is exactly what we see take place in Stephen's life right here at this moment. If you read that entire chapter, this is what's taking place. The Holy Spirit is giving him exactly what to say, reminding him of the Scripture, reminding him of what he's been taught and what he's learned, right? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that there are things that haven't been understood and would have never been understood except that God has revealed them by His Spirit. 
right? He tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. That is, you know, and, and we see here that Stephen, he knew God's word. And, and so we can't miss this. Living successfully in this movement and on this journey with Jesus requires knowing God's word. We got to be in it. We got to allow the Holy Spirit to, to use it and work in us and, and, and through us. That's, you know, this is why it's so important that we continue to study God's word. You know, some folks say, well, you know, I read the Bible through one time. You know, well, you read it through a second time, and I promise you, it will speak to you ways that it never spoke to you before. It depends on what season of life that you're in, how God uses His Spirit to speak to your heart through His Word. And so we've got to continue to study. It's why we, we do what we do here. Yeah, we offer Bible studies all the time, you know, in the fall and the winter and, and, and spring, you know, and, and so, you know, we're continually offering some sort of Bible study. It's why we have Sunday school in between the two services, so we can be taught, so that we can learn. It's why we have children's church. It's why we've made this investment in our kids. It's why we have, you know, teen group. It's so that they can be taught and they can learn and the Word of God be planted into their hearts. It is so important. It's so important in our lives in order to be successful on this journey with Jesus. And, and so, you know, when we're in his word, what does that do? Well, it teaches us how God has worked in the past, right? We see what he's done in the past and the amazing things that he did when the movement began with the children of Israel and all that. So we see how he's worked in the past, but we also see how he wants us to be a part of the movement, right? It's all in there how he wants you to be a part of the movement and what that looks like and how to live that way and how to be successful on that journey. It's all there. And so we, we got to go there to get that, right? And so, you know, Stephen knew the history of Jesus, right? He knew all about the Old Testament. He knew about what the prophets had prophesied. He knew that they had said there is one coming, right, who will, who will die and who will rise again. He knew all that. He knew God's word. He was a student of it. And when he was questioned, we see all throughout chapter 7, he gives a detailed account of God's work through the children of Israel that led up to this point. It's obvious and it is evident that he was a man of the Word. He knew what God had done. He knew what God was doing. And he knew what God was going to do in the future. And he was ready for it. Folks, Stephen's such a great example for us. A servant a student of the Word, a great example in being successful. Because when we're not in the Word, can I just tell you what happens when we're not in the Word? We forget God's faithfulness. We forget how awesome He is. We forget that He created us for His glory to live out His purpose in this world. When we're not in His Word, what, what do we do? We forget God's faithfulness and we start believing who? We start believing Satan and his lies and all the noise and stuff that's around us that fills our heads with all this other stuff, right? We, we forget God's direction for us, and it hinders the Holy Spirit from working in our lives and leading us and guiding us. Listen, we need to read it. We need to study it. We need to know it. We need to believe it. We need to meditate on it, and then we need to read it again, <laughs> right? And so the reason why is so that we will know the things that God has done and we will also know the things that God would have us to do, right? Because our work here is not finished. We are not retired from being followers of Jesus. That only happens when you go to the casket, right? And so, you know, we, wanna, we need to be obedient in order to live successfully. And I'll give you, I will tell you something else about a successful life. 
True joy comes from that. Joy that you really desire and long for in your life and in your family comes from what we've seen right here. All right? Uh, Psalm 19 and 8 says this about God's Word. It says, The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear. It's not confusing. It's not a puzzle. It's not, not some riddle that we have to try and figure out. But it's for giving us insight for living while we're on this movement. Jesus said over in John 15 and uh, verse 10 and 11, he said, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain in his love. Why am I telling you all this? Why am I speaking to the fact that it's important to be a servant and it's important to be in the word? I'm telling you all this so that you may have joy, right? I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is huge. This is huge. To have joy, to be successful on this journey with Jesus, then we must trust in the Lord and follow his ways through what? The guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So good. And sadly, in our world today, we have just the opposite of that shoved into our faces and into our ears and into our kids' ears and into our kids' eyes. Right? We have just the opposite of that. The world wants to teach us that the, the things that bring us joy are alcohol. The world wants to teach us that the thing that brings us joy are drugs and parties and sex and money and power. And the list goes on and on and on of the things that they're shoving in your face that is saying, hey, this will make you happy. This will give you joy. This will give you fulfillment. This will make you successful. The world says if it feels good, do it. If it makes you happy, then that's your right by all means. But the truth is many people are being deceived. And they think they're on the movement, but they're really just watching the movement pass them by. Many people are being deceived by what the world is telling them will bring them success and bring them joy and bring them happiness in their lives. And I'll be honest, there's an element, you know, a lot of these things that I mentioned before, I'll be honest, uh, been there, done that. There's an element of fun in some of that for a little while, for a little while. But as too many people learn the hard way, the fun is short-lived, and it ultimately just leaves an emptiness in your life. It'll never fill that void that you have. It'll never give you the joy that you're looking for. It'll never bring you the success that you think uh, you need to achieve uh, in your life. And that emptiness just goes to prove that there's a need for something else. Like Ted Turner said uh, earlier, you know, all the money, all the success, it feels empty. Well, there's only one thing that can fill that emptiness, right? That's the Spirit of God uh, in our lives. Uh, Paul said this in Romans chapter 14. Paul, the guy that was influenced by Stephen, the servant, right? He said this, Romans 14, verse 17. He said, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in what? The Holy Spirit. There it is again. Where does this come from? Where does this success and joy and, and fulfillment and peace come from? It's through the Holy Spirit. It says, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and will be approved by men. This is success. This is real success, living righteously. The world says to live in every way but righteous and you'll be happy and approved and accepted by men. 
but just the contrary. The truth is you will be successful and approved by men if you live righteously, filled with the Spirit. We are pleasing God and fulfilling our purpose. Right? You look of great men of God that have been filled with the Spirit, and nobody really could say anything bad about them. And if they did, it was a lie. Right? And, and, so, and then finally, uh, this morning, and some of you are so glad I just said, and finally, uh, which means absolutely nothing. Uh, finally, we see here in the life of Stephen that living successfully means that we're going we're gonna to be like Jesus. We're going to look like Jesus. We're going to live like Jesus. Look what happens here. I want to skip on over chapter 7 to the end of chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, uh, pick it up at verse 54. These Jewish leaders, you know, Stephen's just answering every question. He's giving them a history lesson in the Bible, and children of Israel, and there's no question he can't answer. And, you know, he's, he's just building his case that these folks don't have a leg to stand on. They're infuriated by what's taking place here, Scripture tells them. They shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen full of the Holy Spirit, right? He couldn't have done this in his own strength or his own power, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed steadily into heaven and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. I think there's a whole nother sermon in that right there because every time before where we see Jesus uh, and someone sees Jesus in the heavens or whatever he's referenced to being in heaven, he is always seated at the right hand of the Father. But here, for whatever reason, he's seeing his man Stephen who has been with willing to serve, being willing to study, being committed to the movement and all these things. And Jesus is now, he's not sitting, he's now standing, watching what his child of God is doing before men and for him on this movement. Verse 56, it says, and Stephen told them, he said, look, I see the heavens open and the son of man is standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting. They rushed at him. And then verse 58 says, they dragged him out of the the city and they began to stone him his accusers took off their coats and they laid him and uh, laid them at the feet of a young man named <laughs> that gave me goosebumps as they stoned him Stephen prayed Lord Jesus receive my spirit he fell on his knees shouting Lord don't charge them with this sin and with that he died Stephen did everything right, and he ended up dead in the most gruesome way. And, and verse 58, seriously, it gives me chills every time I read that, and, and I see that it says they took off their coats and they laid them at the young man named Saul. Don't miss this. The Sauls are watching. The Sauls are watching the movement. The Sauls are watching the people that say, I'm a follower of Jesus. The Sauls are watching to see how we will act and how we will respond. And Saul is here watching. And as every stone smashed Stephen's face, and his body was mangled into this bloody heap from the stones that were being thrown at him, Saul was watching. And he heard Stephen's pleas with God to forgive the ones who were throwing the stones. That's odd. That's strange. Saul's saying, this guy is being stoned to death. And he's pleading 
He's shouting to his God, forgive them. And he saw the glory of God through the blood in Stephen's face. And something happened right there to Saul that he never got over. (laughs) Stephen's blood, think about it, that was dripping to the ground was the seed of the Apostle Paul's great faith. It was the seed that was planted. And God used his death in ways that I'm sure Stephen never dreamed or imagined. And from his death came the greatest evangelist of the gospel of Jesus Christ that would ever walk on this earth. Through that, listen, the sermons that you preach in your pain... The messages that you share in your difficulties are so much louder than the ones that you preach in your blessings. And somebody just needed to hear that today. Right? From start to finish. What what does Stephen's life scream to us? Well, when we read this and we study this, his life screams to us this. It's not about me. Right? It's not about me. It's not about us. We see from Stephen's life here that it's about what? It's about serving. It's about waiting on tables and taking out the trash if that's what's needed. If that's what needs to be done. It's not about our popularity. It's not about our place in society. It's not about what everybody thinks about us. But it's simply about this. It's about directing people's attention to Jesus. Pointing them to, to him. God wins every time when we do that, right? God wins this world when we will say and we will live in our, our lives in a way that says, it's not about me and Jesus is worth it, right? It's not about me, but the movement is worth it. And they picked up their towel and they served and they did whatever it was uh, that needed to be done. We see that Stephen's success came from that. It came from glorifying God in life and in death. And he did it how? We see that he did it the exact same way that Jesus did it. That's what's so cool about this. He did it the exact same way that Jesus. I mean, almost with the exact same words. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He recognized that, you know, there's no success in life other than striving to live and if necessary, die like Jesus. Die like Christ. Now, to be like Jesus, I just want to make it clear for all of you this morning, we don't, we don't have to die like Jesus, all right? And we don't have to die like Stephen. I, I wouldn't, you know, good grief. We're blessed that we don't live in a world that does that. Here, although we have Christian brothers and sisters that are being martyred for their faith even today, still. But listen, we we don't all have to die like this and to die like Jesus. But Stephen's example teaches us this, how we can bring glory to God in any circumstance, whether it's good or whether it's bad, right? And there is no doubt there are going to be times when life is hard. Can I get an amen? Some of you have been there. I've been through it with you. There's going to be times when life's going to be hard. There's going to be times when things are really difficult. There's going to be times when the stress level is out the roof. We're not exempt or protected from that just because we're part of the movement. (laughs) Matter of fact, there's probably a little more that comes along with that. 
being, being a part of that. We're not exempt from it. Jesus experienced it. Think about it. We see him there in the garden. He prayed. He prayed that this cup would pass from him, that he wouldn't have to go through this. But then he goes, but Father, if it's your will, let your will be done. All right? Stephen experienced it. The apostles, every single one, they experienced it. Many of you here this morning, you've experienced difficult times and difficult situations. And we all will experience times in the future that are hard and not easy. And it's in those times. It's in those times where we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. And in order to live successfully, even in those difficult times, we must somehow always think, how can this situation point others to Jesus? Because that is why I'm here. Whether I'm on the valley or whether I'm on the mountaintop, I'm here because God wants to receive glory through it. In everything, in all things, Facing difficult times doesn't mean that you're not successful. A lot of people, you know, go through difficult stuff and they feel like failures. Listen, facing difficulties helps you to live a life of success by giving you the opportunity to be like Jesus. That's what's successful, is representing Him in a beautiful way so that other people would see Him and know Him. Success does not equal easy. Okay, nowhere in scriptures are we promised easy. Nowhere. Success equals this, glorifying God by growing in Christ and being more like him in every circumstance that we face in life. That's what being a part of the movement is all about. That's what it looks like. It is then that we'll not only live successfully in this life, but we will have lived so that we can experience success in life, in death, and in eternity. There's just something different about being with a person that's a part of the movement as they pass from this earth. You know, there's just something different about being with a family who knows that their family member has done this well, right? There's a peace in knowing we'll see them again someday. They're going to a better place, and we would never wish them back. But then to be with families that are, that are going through death or a situation like that that, that don't have that hope, it, it's sad, it's terrible to watch someone go through that because they have no hope of anything else after, after death. And so, you know, it's all about being a part of the movement, doing that successfully. We see a great example here of that by Stephen this morning because the goal is, is, you know, at the end of this journey and we face Jesus face to face one day hearing those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? That's what it's all about. That's what being successful in life is about. That's what being successful on this journey is about. That's what being successful on this movement is all about. That's what it looks like, folks, to be a part of the movement. And if you're not a part of the movement, I want to invite you again today to join us and be a part of it. It's the only way you'll ever really experience success in your life. I promise you. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you today so much for this reminder of our dependence on you, our need for you, the, the, the need that we have in our lives for the Holy Spirit to do this work because none of us are smart enough, none of us are strong enough, none of us are talented enough 
uh, to do what it is that we've been tasked to do. But we're, we're thankful today that you remind us we have the Holy Spirit available to us. If we'll just surrender to that, follow it, uh, let, the, let your Holy Spirit lead us, guide us, give us direction and wisdom. Uh, God, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It's through your Spirit that we can do these things. But some of us don't know that, don't understand that, and haven't experienced that because we've ne never uh, really been committed like we saw here in Stephen's life, committed to your Word to allow you to speak this wisdom and this truth into our lives. That, that comes through your word, and you speak to us in us, uh, speak that into us and, and, and through us, through your word, and it's the Holy Spirit that guides that and directs that and does the work that you want to do. So my prayer today is that we would be open and available to the Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you to do this work because we cannot do it. And, and God, I, I thank you today for this picture that you give us of what's taking place here with Saul watching at Stephen's worst moment in his life Saul was watching thank you for the reminder that there are Sauls all around us that are watching and I pray that we would be faithful we would be obedient and we would bring you glory in all situations when it's bad when we want to be the ones throwing the rocks, when it's difficult, God, just help us to remember, how can I use this so that other people might see Jesus? Remind us of that. Put that in our heads continually. That it's all about bringing you glory. It's all about serving you. It's about loving you and loving our neighbors, period. That's it. So thank you for allowing us the opportunity to represent you. Thank you again for the invitation that you've sent to us to be a part of this movement. And I pray if there be anyone here today that's never accepted that invitation and they've seen the movement, they don't know if they're a part of it, I just pray today they'd find a quiet place, quiet time to uh, surrender their lives to being a part of the movement because it's the only place they're going to find what they're looking for and what they were created to do and to find their purpose. And so I pray today would be a day of that decision for someone here, maybe many. And God will always be careful to give you the glory for what you're doing in our midst, in our families, and in this church we call the movement. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. I hope you have a